0: You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. Good morning, church. It is great to be together today. We've got a packed house. This is awesome. It's good seeing so many of your guys' wonderful faces this morning. Uh, Let's give it up one more time for our amazing worship team. They spend tons of time throughout the week putting together the worship, and uh, they show up early and, you know, really grateful for the ways they really helped us uh, connect. Uh, so I want to say welcome officially. My name is Justin Shump. Uh, I uh, help serve with the uh, college ministry here in the West Side. If you're wondering where the college students are. They're somewhere over there. They're sitting. Uh, no, I'm really grateful I get to serve in the college ministry, help specifically at uh, UCLA and SMC. Uh, and I also get to help with the team ministry, you get to help out with some of the high school students. So really grateful to be here, uh, really grateful to be together. Uh, we're continuing our sermon series titled Built on Trust. And so Kenny kicked it off last week uh, and really preached this just amazing kind of in-depth lesson uh, about trust and how powerful trust is. Uh, and that the church doesn't work, relationships don't work without trust. That we have to trust one another, we have to be willing to have conversations with one another. Uh, we then talked again on midweek about the same idea, and so we're going to be diving into this idea of trust uh, for the next few weeks, and super excited that we get to kind of go on this journey together. So the title for my sermon today is Built on the Rock. Uh, we're going to be reading out of Matthew 7, um, so you can turn your Bibles there if you have it. You know, trust, it's a necessity. You know, you're not going to enter into a relationship unless you have trust. You're not going to enter into a business partnership unless you have trust. You're not going to leave your child with a babysitter unless you have trust. You're not going to get on an airplane unless you have trust. I mean, we willingly get in these flying pieces of metal that are zooming across the sky at 500 miles an hour, spewing out jet fuel from these mini explosions, and we're like, sure. Yeah, sign me up. Because we trust it, we trust the pilots, we trust the safety features, or they're just really good at distracting us by letting us watch reruns of Friends and a bunch of fun movies on there, so we're just kind of, you know, we're flying along. But we need trust. You know, all businesses rely on trust. You know, I trust Apple to make really good phones and really good computers, and that's why I have an iPhone and I have a Mac. You know, I trust Honda to make really good cars. And that's why I love my Honda Civic. That's like, everyone asks me, what's your dream car? I'm like, I drive my dream car. I got a Honda Civic. This is amazing. You know, I trust Costco for pretty much everything. Costco is like Disneyland. I feel like I trust Costco with my life. You know, they have literally the lowest prices on everything. Everything is amazing quality. And at the food court, they have these things called chicken bakes. You ever had one of those? You ever had a chicken bake? It's like you took like a pizza and a sandwich and put some pixie dust on there and popped out a chicken bake, and it is fantastic. But you know, I started thinking, like, why do I, why do we so willingly trust these companies that that give me these great products? But it's so hard for me to trust people. And I started to kind of thinking about that. Why is it so hard for me to trust people? I think the answer is really simple. Because most people are not very trustworthy. You know, uh, UMass uh, University did a study, and they found that 60% of people lied at least once during a 10-minute conversation. And now, on average, they told two to three lies in a 10-minute conversation. You know, another study said that the average person lies about 1.5 times a day, so a little bit less than the UMass study. But if you say, okay, every person lies about 1.65 times, that means that you are lied to approximately 10 to 200 times a day. And that you tell a lie, on average, one to two times a day. I mean, that's crazy to think about. I think that's why it's so hard to trust people. You know, I think of some people I've met in my life who, who I would say are not very trustworthy. I, uh, I went to San Diego State. Uh, I studied marketing there. And we would do different kind of outreach stuff for our college ministry. And so we'd set up spike ball and volleyball, and we'd meet people and invite them to come kind of hang out with us and use it a way to spread the gospel and to meet people. And so a lot of times people would think we were frat because we were Alpha Omega. And so people were like, oh, you guys are frat. Like, no, we're campus ministry. And like, what's campus ministry? And it just, you know, led to great conversations. But we had these AO letters, so we kind of looked like a frat. And so uh, there was this one time, there was this kind of older guy. who looked like he was maybe in his 30s. Definitely didn't look like he should be at a college campus. And he kind of walked up to us, and he was like, Hey, I noticed you guys are a frat. Do you guys need help with your community service hours? And so fraternities and sororities had to uh, commit to doing a certain amount of community service hours in order to stay a fraternity, in order to stay in that sorority. So he said, "Yeah, I can help you out. I started a fake business and I have a fake nonprofit, and I can sell you community service hours if you need it." I was like, "What?" I was like, "No, first off, we're not like we're not a frat. We're we're campus ministry." you're kind of a scumbag. I actually said that to him. Probably shouldn't have said that. But my mom works for a nonprofit, and I was like, dude, like what? You made a fake nonprofit, and you're just scouring college campuses and selling free community service hours? That's crazy. You know, I had this other guy, uh, uh, and he came out to our campus ministry, and he was doing some Bible studies. And Saint Diego State's a big campus, so if you go to a big college, you kind of you'll meet people, and you won't see them for like months. And then randomly you'll see him again in a library or they'll pop up when you're getting food. And so I hadn't seen this guy in a super long time. And I run into him at The Habit. And this was like three days before finals were over and we're leaving for spring break. And so everyone's in the midst of finals. And so I walk up, I'm like, hey, what's up, dude? And he's like, hey, dude, so good to see you. I was like, how you doing? He's like, I'm great. I just got back from Florida. And I'm like, Florida? Like, this is finals week. Like, how did you just get, like, you're supposed to be leaving next week for Florida. Like, that's when everyone goes to parties in Florida. He's like, yeah, you know, I was, it was partying up. It was crazy, it was super awesome. So I'm like, well, how did, you, how did you miss your finals? He said, oh, I just told my teachers that my grandma died so I could go party in Florida. I said, dude, what? Like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. And, you know, I, I told my teachers that, and, and one of them didn't believe me and said I had to bring back a funeral brochure. And so I made a fake funeral brochure for my fake dead grandma and gave it to the teacher, and I was able to skip my final. And I'm sitting there just like, What? Like the lengths people will go to, to lie and to deceive. I think this is why it's hard to trust people. You know, we have entire government agencies whose main job is to make sure that people don't lie. You know, things like the SEC, like the IRS, like FINRA, literally their job is they know for a fact people are going to lie. And so they try and make sure that people aren't lying. Like, that is their full-time job. That's why we have audits. But this is what makes trust so powerful, is because it's so incredibly rare to actually trust someone, to actually trust an organization. And so that's why we're going to spend the next few weeks really diving into this deep idea of trust, how we as a church have to be built on trust our lives our faith our relationships and so our sermon series the next few weeks we're going to dive into chapters five six and seven of the book of matthew which is jesus's sermon on the mount and in this sermon some of you guys have maybe read it from before a lot of the kind of kind of uh stereotypical quotes of christianity come from the sermon on the mount but what jesus does is it's kind of it's his main first sermon and and he gets up and he kind of lays out some of his most famous teachings. He says things like, you are the light of the world. He says, turn the other cheek. He says, have love for your enemies. He gives them the Lord's Prayer. He says, do not worry. He tells them about the narrow and wide gates. You know, throughout these three chapters, <clears throat> Jesus lays this foundation for his new ministry. And what's interesting in in, in these kind of short few chapters is he actually calls back several times to the Ten Commandments. Okay, so what were the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments were these kind of ten laws that Yahweh, the God of Israel, gave to Israel and said, look, this is going to be kind of the basics of our governing body. These are the rules that you're going to follow. You see, 1,300 years before Jesus goes up and gives a sermon on a mount, This guy named Moses went up on a mountain. And on that mountain, God gives him these stone tablets, these slabs of rock. And on these rocks, he writes the Ten Commandments, these guidelines for the Israelite people. You know, there are many other laws and and commandments and statues that, that God gives the Israelites, but these Ten were kind of the foundation. Everything was built on these Ten Commandments. You know, things like do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. You know, these were the expectations that God had for his people. And so what Jesus does on the Sermon on the Mount is he presents some of these kind of commonly understood laws, but he takes them a step deeper. He says, look, you know you shouldn't murder But don't even be angry with a brother or sister. If you are angry with a brother or sister, it's like you're murdering them. It's intense. He says, you know you should not commit adultery, but look, if you even look at a woman lustfully, you're committing adultery. That's intense. Now we can see this and we can feel like, man, this is restrictive and, and it's difficult and it's kind of weird. But Jesus is actually doing something really cool, really spiritual here. He's kind of taking these, these physical laws that the Israelites understood and he's adding a spiritual component to them. He's taking the physical laws that governed physical Israel and he's adding a spiritual component that will govern his spiritual kingdom. And this is in line with an overarching theme of the Bible. That all of the kind of physical realities of the Old Testament become the spiritual realities of the New Testament. You see, in the Old Testament, God builds this, this physical nation, this great people called Israel. And in the New Testament, Jesus builds a great spiritual nation he calls the kingdom which is what you see here today. It's his people. It's the church. And what's cool is that there's actually kind of the same ways that you get into these kingdoms. If you look at the physical story and you look at the spiritual story. And there's all these amazing analogies. I'll give you one real quick. Israel was in bondage in Egypt. They were enslaved in Egypt. And God leads them out. He uses Moses. He leaves them out of captivity. He leaves them out of slavery. And he takes them to the Red Sea. And what happens? He passes them through the water. Israel passes through the water. He parts the Red Sea. God then uses the water to wash away the Egyptian army. And the Israelites are saved. They're in captivity. They're let out. They're passed through water. And they're saved. Well, guess what? we go through the exact same spiritual process. We're captive in our sin. We're led away by following Jesus. We pass through the waters of baptism, and then we're saved. And our promised land is not a physical promised land. It's heaven. And so the physical realities of the Old Testament become the spiritual realities of the New Testament. Again, we don't have time to go into all these different Analogies, But understanding this idea is going to help lay a foundation for our sermons going forward. You see, in physical Israel, he said, do not murder. In spiritual kingdom, he said, do not be angry. In physical Israel, he said, do not commit adultery. In spiritual kingdom, he said, do not lust. In physical Israel, he said, do not Covet another's possessions. In spiritual kingdom, he says, store up your treasures in heaven. Do you guys see that? It's really cool. And so Jesus, he preaches this amazing, mind-changing sermon on the mount. And we're going to be diving deep into kind of the individual things he taught over the next few weeks. But then in Matthew 7, verse 24 he wraps it all up. He comes in for a landing. And that's actually what we're going to read today. We're going to start with the end and then kind of go backwards the next few weeks. Sound good? Okay, so you turn your Bibles to Matthew 7, verse 24. This after Jesus has said all these amazing things. He's talked about the physical and the spiritual. And then he says this. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine... His house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. This is an intense way to end the Sermon on the Mount, right? Jesus kind of tells them all these great teachings. He says, you know, you got to forgive one another, and you got to love one another, and commit to one another. And, you know, when you're giving to the poor, don't announce it. Do, and he kind of gives them all these great things. And then he says, look, if you don't apply these things, if you don't put the words I just told you into practice, then your life is going to crumble. I mean, that is a bold statement. The mood kind of changed there real quick. He says, but if you do put these things into practice... And you're a part of this new spiritual kingdom that no matter what happens in life, when the storms come, when the winds blow, when the waters rise, you will stand firm. You know, Jesus is calling us and the people in this audience to make his words, the words he said, the foundation of Our lives. Of our entire life. I mean, that is a radical idea that our entire existence is in the reflection of one man. Man, there's a lot that could go wrong when you put all your eggs in one basket, right? You're into investing. You're supposed to diversify. You're never supposed to put all your money into one stock, right? Because that is dangerous. It could be... Great reward or catastrophic failure? And isn't that what Jesus is saying? But he's saying he is great reward. The question is, do you trust that? Would you put all your money in to Jesus? Would you put all of your resources in to Jesus? Would you put your entire life into Jesus? And this is one of those things about Christianity where, again, this is either really, really comforting or absolutely terrifying. It's kind of not somewhere in the middle. For me, it's, it's both, or it's one or the other. It's comforting because, okay, if the Bible is true and, and the story of God is true and God is the divine creator and Jesus is his son and Jesus said, I'm not speaking the words of myself, I'm speaking the words of the Father, Then that means that if we allow Jesus' words to be the foundation of our life, then we have the most powerful being in the entire universe guiding our every step. And that according to this parable, even when the storm hits and the floods rise and all hope seems lost, we will be fine. We will weather the storm. We will not face destruction. That's really comforting, so that we are guided by the Creator. We can experience a peace, knowing that our life is on a solid foundation. So again, for you, this might be really comforting, but it also might be very scary. Because again, if you choose to make Jesus' words the foundation of your life, you've got to be all in. You're going all in on jesus's words and what i've seen in my life is that it's really hard for me to trust people and so it's hard for me to trust jesus it's hard for me to trust god you know the idea of giving up my authority, and having Jesus' words be the foundation of my life, meaning that I don't have my own understandings anymore. I put aside the way that I think I should respond to things and now have to respond in the way that Jesus laid out in the Sermon on the Mount. I have to forgive. I have to turn the other cheek. I can't announce my good deeds to the public. I've got to do it in secret. I've got to store up treasures in heaven. That's hard. That's scary. You know, it takes an incredible amount of trust to put our faith and our lives into Jesus. You have to trust that it is worth it. And so the question becomes, are you willing to trust Jesus? Do you trust him enough, his words to make them the foundation of your life. And I want to challenge you, if, if, if maybe you're new to church, or you're new to a relationship with God, or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, and you're just feeling kind of jaded, I don't, I don't know where you're at. Just try. No, no, for real. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Just try forgiveness. And just see how it goes. Try once. Maybe twice. Just try purity. Just do it for a day. See how much better you're going to feel. Try respect. Try being nice to someone. Just a week. Just try it. Try honesty. Try it for a day. Apparently, we're all a bunch of liars according to these studies, so we could all try that. Try generosity. Just once. Only once. You don't got to commit to it. Just just try it once. And I would argue that you'll see fruit when you try these things. And the more you try and the more you'll implement, you'll see that Jesus knew what he was talking about. A lot of times, we just have to try. You know, thinking back to Moses, as he went up on this mountain, and, and, and again, they're forming this new Israelite community. I'm sure it was hard for them to trust Moses. Right? He's going up on this mountain having this crazy experience with God, and there's like thunder and lightning. And he comes down with these tablets, and he's like, all right. This is what we're doing now. And on there it says, do not murder. And they're like, wait, Moses, 20 years ago you murdered a guy. And now you're telling us to not murder? How can we trust you? And, you know, sadly you see throughout the Old Testament is that over and over again they didn't trust God. And when you read the Old Testament, you hear about some of the kind of crazy and, and sad things. And, and when things go bad... Almost every single time, it's because they broke one of these Ten Commandments. And then a storm came, or an army invaded, or something happened, and they crashed. But then you also see stories when they held, and they were faithful, and they kept the Sabbath, and storms come, and armies invade, and God holds them. There's these great physical stories in the Old Testament. And so Jesus is saying to us that we can participate in the same thing on a spiritual level. Again, the Old Testament, you read about people breaking these Ten Commandments and and, and things falling apart. And in a way, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, this is kind of his Ten Commandments. This is what the foundation of Jesus' kingdom is going to be built on. The Sermon on the Mount. I would argue... That if you only had the Sermon on the Mount and you knew that Jesus died for your sins, you would be fine. That's really kind of all you need. That's really the basics. Now, we have all these different deep questions. We're trying to, all these nuances. Okay, but on a really simple level, if you knew Jesus died, you believed he was God, and you had the Sermon on the Mount, I really believe we could figure it out. Now, luckily he gave us Obviously, Paul and different writers and people to help us discern some of these issues. But the Sermon on the Mount was the foundation. You see, the Ten Commandments were these physical rocks that the Israelites based their lives on. It was these rocks, these slabs that had laws written on it. And what's cool is that Jesus' words become the spiritual rock that we base our lives on. He is the rock that we build our house on, that we build our lives on. Does that make sense? The Israelites had these physical rocks, and we have Jesus as this spiritual rock. The foundation for a new spiritual kingdom. But do you trust it? Do you really trust it? Are you willing to trust it? So we're really going to dive deep into this in the next few weeks. We're going to find out if we can really trust these things. Can we trust the word that Jesus said? And if so, then this will be the foundation of our lives, the foundation of our church, the foundation of our community. So what we're going to do now is we're going to transition into our communion portion. And what we like to do is we like to interact with each other uh, during our communion. If you're visiting with us, you maybe have not maybe not participated in something like this before. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to throw two questions up on the screen, and if you want, if you want to gather with maybe three or four people around you uh, and kind of discuss these two questions, uh, we're going to take about five ten minutes. Uh, we really want to engage with one another and have a great discussion. So, question number one is: Does the idea of building your life on Jesus' words feel comforting? or frightening to you? And in which areas of your life do you desire the most control? In which areas in your life is it difficult for you to trust? So we're going to go ahead and we're going to break up. So get, gather some people around you and we'll be back in about five to ten minutes. All right, we'll go ahead and uh, bring it back in. Hopefully you guys had some great conversation. And uh, I'm now going to say a prayer for communion, so if you can please bow with me. God, you know, we're so grateful just to be together. Uh, We're so grateful that we have your word. Uh, this, This amazing and complex book and this story that we can find our lives in, that we can see just this plan that you had from the very beginning to bring people together, to build a community built on trust, built on the words that you gave your son. God, we're so grateful that we have Jesus' words to be our guide. But that is an opportunity that, that many people in the world do not have that and do not know Jesus' words. They never heard the Sermon on the Mount. So, God, I pray as we take communion today, we can reflect on that, reflect on our own lives God, thank you so much for the community we have that we can connect with one another, we can love one another, that we're here for one another. Pray for the rest for the rest of our service, pray you can keep us all healthy, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit the Westsidechurch.com or laicc.net. dot net.